Welcome to our Daily Inspiration Podcast. As Inspire Church is walking through a 30-day rule of life, whether you are participating fully or just listening, we hope you are blessed. Hello, everybody. Pastor Roger here, and it is great to be with you again. How is your 30-day journey going? Man, the Lord is revealing so much about himself to me and also about myself, if I'm honest. Um, This journey continues to be very introspective, very heart exposing for me. And even though that's not easy, I hope you are all allowing it to do the same for you. Um, So this podcast is on the topic of the rhythm of reading. And if you have not been able to listen to the previous podcast from our guest speakers, then I want to uh, just embolden you, encourage you, stir you, inspire you, uh, you know, to go back and to listen to them. In fact, listen twice, take some notes, because these podcasts, uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday, man, they gave some very practical, helpful, insightful tools for you to use as you go to approach this rhythm of reading scripture. And um, I can tell you that when I first started reading the Bible, I wish that I was equipped uh, in this way. So Yeah, please go back, check them out. They are amazing, especially uh, if you are like I used to be when it came to Bible reading, someone who, you know, constantly felt alienated by it, stuck in it, bored with it, Um, even times where I felt frustrated, confused, um, offended, and and really just wanted to disengage from it. Um, Or maybe you're in a place where you want to want to read the Bible, right? My prayer is that today something will just invoke you or invigorate you towards this rhythm of uh, reading scripture. So I just want to pray really quick to open this up. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God. God, um, that you are uh, teaching us, showing us what it means to abide in you. What does that life look like? And I thank you specifically for this rhythm of reading your word. I remember when Pastor Phil and I went to go watch the war movie called 1917 in theaters. Um, It was a phenomenal movie. Uh, But what made me so intrigued by it, the reason I wanted to see it so bad was because uh, it was actually kind of cool. The entire movie was made to look like it was shot in like one continuous scene. And it was just one huge story. And, and really, that's what the Bible is. The, the 77 books that make up the Bible really tells us one larger story, a story that really can transform your life. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You might be like, okay, well, that sounds great. But when I go to read the Bible, I don't really get that experience. Um, I don't really feel that sort of transformation power. Well, I totally hear you. And I want to really go over three reasons why this might be the case. Now, there's more, but in the form of a traditional preacher, I'm going to keep it to three. Um, I'm going to talk about the merit the magic, and the master, okay? Um, And I'm going to go through the first two points pretty quickly, and then I'll spend the majority of this episode on point number three. I don't know if 
everybody knows, but I started to preach behind pulpits at the age of 15. Um, I started to travel and minister around the world at the age of 17. And when it came to my personal Bible reading, um, I only did that when I was preparing for a message. Um, in other words, I only did it to receive information, but not transformation. And in fact, all throughout university even, I didn't have a consistent rhythm for reading my Bible. I only sort of did it whenever. Um, if there was, you know, if, if I was in a particular course that required it um, or if I just randomly felt like it, or maybe I felt, you know, the guilt and shame of not it, but it was just kind of whenever. And I remember someone uh, reading somewhere when, so when someone says, if your game plan is to read your Bible whenever, chances are you'll, you'll read it never. When your game plan is to read your Bible whenever, chances are you'll read it never. Um, and that was basically true. And I think some of you uh, who uh, are hearing this right now, that might resonate with you. Um, and so if you are wanting to be transformed by your Bible reading, if you're wanting to take the tools that you have learned throughout this week that, that our phenomenal guests have brought to you and deposited in your life, and you want to be transformed by it, then let me just tell you a few things not to do, okay? A few things not to do. Number one, do not read your Bible for merit, right? As some sort of way of earning points with God or like getting on his good side. Because uh, if you do that, then, the Bi then your Bible reading will actually be done in duty and not in delight. Psalms 119 repeatedly talks about delighting in God's word, delighting in God's word. And when you go to open up his scripture, I don't know if it's always this delightful kind of experience that you feel. Um, and sometimes it's because uh, we do it for merit. And the minute that you do it for merit, then you're taking the means of grace and you're turning it into a performance. So number one, do not read it for merit. Number two, don't read it for magic. Don't read it for magic. Remember those uh, black like magic eight balls that we used to play with when we were a child, right? And you would you would ask it a question, shake it and turn it around and kind of this cube inside would tell you, you know, yes or no, or maybe or whatever. And, and now you're an adult and you have all these pressing questions, you know, should you, you know, marry Bob or get a new job or change your career or whatever, right? Um, and so, you know, sometimes what we do is we approach the Bible and we kind of give our Bible this vigorous shake and open up to a random page and place our finger blindly on a verse. And then you read it to see if it points to yes or no. Um, here's the problem. That approach, when we do that, then we make the Bible all about how the Bible can serve us rather than how we can serve the God that it proclaims. We, we put a demand that the Bible tells us what to do rather than who to be. Um, and, and so we make the story of the Bible all about us. And we really disfigure the purpose of our Bible reading. See, the purpose of our Bible reading, our Bible studying, is to know God and to make him known. Okay, so number one, if you are wanting to be transformed when you go and you start making this rhythm, this Bible reading part of the rhythms of your life, don't do it for merit. Number two, don't do it for magic. And then number three, don't read it to master it.
don't read it to master it. Um, I read a book called Exegetical Fallacies by D.A. Carson, and in it, he says uh, something really cool. He says, we don't read the Bible to master it, but so it can master us. We don't read the Bible to master it, but so it can master us. I really believe that one huge reason that we are not transformed like we should be with our Bible reading is because we've bought into the lie. We've bought into the lie. Genesis 3, um, there we see the serpent approaching Eve. And as they're in this conversation, he says, did God really say? In other words, we have bought into the lie that we cannot trust God. That, And it's really this idea of trust, that we don't trust the Bible to have the spiritual authority in our lives like we should. Now, we say we trust God. We'll say it with our mouth, but our actions often reveal it differently. And I get it. We sort of have this allergic reaction to authority, right? Um, and most of the time, it's because um, we don't like authority. And the reason we don't like it is because we just don't understand it. Um, and we don't understand what the Bible means when it talks about authority. And I remember reading this article um, by uh, Pastor Mark Combs, and he brings out this really cool sort of picture of these two paradigms of authority, a structural paradigm and a spiritual paradigm, right? And the reason we don't like authority is because oftentimes we look at authority as sort of this structural paradigm, this, this paradigm used to sort of coerce us or control us, like uh, to do things against our will. Um, uh, but that's not the type of authority that we find in Jesus. Um, that's not the type of authority that we find in the Bible. When, when we look at what, what, who Jesus is, it, it isn't a structural authority, but a spiritual authority, meaning it's not a power to coerce us or control us against our will. Uh, but rather, when people read the Bible, when people hear Jesus' teaching and they opt out of it, notice Jesus doesn't, you know, take out a pen and say, well, there's a demerit. And so for every sin you do, I'm going to charge you three months, you know, in purgatory, right? He doesn't do that. But, but rather, um, Jesus' authority and that of the scriptures that he was a teacher of and would live under and would quote and would trust in an active spiritual authority, what that is, is it's an access point to a reality. It's an access point. And just like the people in the four gospels had to decide, we have to decide whether we're going to live with it or against it. If we're going to live in harmony with the melody of, with the, with the melody of Jesus or, and the writers of the Bible, right. Or in some kind of, you know, I don't know, dissonance or disenfranchisement, you know, against the Bible. Um, and we have to make that, de the, that decision within ourselves. Um, but we need to understand that when Jesus begins to quote scripture, when he quotes Old Testament, he is saying like, hey, listen, these verses, this scripture has spiritual authority, one that you and I should live under. And he's always from the beginning, beginning chosen to like vest his authority Um and with prophets and apostles, right? Um, and that's basically what the Bible calls the writers of scripture, because this is how God has 
always done it. He he's used human agents to bring about his kingdom on the earth. Now, obviously the ultimate example of that is Jesus himself. And what we see is Jesus living under the authority of the Bible, living under the authority of God himself. In other words, what to live under the authority of God is to live under the authority of the Bible. And to live under the authority of the Bible is to live under the authority of God. It, another way of putting it is in listening to and entrusting in and obeying, we are trusting God and we are doing this as acts of love and worship. When we listen to, trust in, and obey the word of God, we do this as acts of love and worship. To kind of reframe that in like a negative way, to not listen to or to not trust in or to not obey the scriptures, then we're not living under the authority of God. It's it's an act of rebellion against him. And so as a result of that, then we live in conflict with reality, meaning we live out of alignment with the way things really are, right? The, the way relationships really are, the way humanity really is, the way human se sexuality is, right? We, we live in this false reality when we do not allow the Bible to have the type of authority in our lives as it should. And again, because of that, many times we don't even read our Bible, or when we do, uh, it, it's very surface. We don't allow it to tell us how we should live. Now, I know this kind of raises all kinds of questions. Uh, none uh, maybe as powerful as like, well, when you read the Bible, the story, uh, when the when you read the the story of the Bible, sorry, um, you know, how do you live under the authority of that? Because, for instance, you might be thinking, well, there's commands in one part of the story, and then there's these other commands that contradict the commands that were given in another part of the story. Do we just kind of pick and choose, or is there any coherence or logic to it? Right. Well, when you see commands. You have to understand those commands are fitting for that one part of the story, but not fitting for another part, meaning there are commands for ancient Hebrews living under a theocracy that don't apply for maybe modern Americans living in a democracy. Um, and as always, I think the best example of this is Star Wars, right? So um, there's so much we can say here. I love Star Wars, uh, but check this out. Star Wars has a canon. Now, Lucas films actually use that language of the canon. And the canon um, has all sorts of different genres in it, but it's telling one unified story. And in that overall story, there are contradictory commands, right? For example, in The Emperor Strikes Back, which is basically like the last good Star Wars movie we have, Yoda tells uh, Luke, he says, do not go out and take on Vader, right? but stay and complete his training. Remember that? But then in Return of the Jedi, where things just kind of go downhill, it's still good though. I'm still a fan, but you know, Yoda then tells him, now you must go and face Vader. Now, wait a minute. In one part of the story, he tells him, don't go and face Vader. And in another part, he tells him, do go and face Vader. Now, was Yoda contradicting himself? No, of course not. At one point in the story, when Lucas was at a certain stage of development, the command was, was right. 
right? Later, um, as he was in another stage of development further along in the story, um, that command to not face Vader would actually have been his demise. And so the Bible is full of stuff like that, food laws, circumcision, um, marriage, war, right? There are all sorts of commands that we see that we don't obey right now because they were from an earlier part of the time in this story, but also because Christ himself became a lot of those commands for us. For example, for example, um, like all of the cleansing commands that we read about. Well, we are now cleansed in Christ. He became that for us. So it's not that we pick and choose, but that the reality is, is we are living in a later point of the story. And this is exactly the point that Paul makes in Galatians. Now, on your own time, go read it. It's very sophisticated, very intelligent. But his metaphor at one point for why we don't obey the commands he, uh, of the Old Testament, he uses this word in Greek that is basically the word they use for like a nanny that watches over a child um, until the child is grown, right? And so... Um, and really, this is why it's not just enough for us to kind of turn the Bible into like a book of rules and say, I'm going to follow these rules. Because the ideal reader, if, if you pay close attention, is expected to kind of live out the story of the Bible. Back to Star Wars really quick. One reason so many fans hate the new trilogy is because it doesn't honor the authority of the canon. Now, Mark Hamill, who was Luke Skywalker himself, uh, when he read the script for episode eight for the first time, he told the director, and I quote, I fundamentally disagree with every decision you've made for this character, unquote. In other words, what he was saying is that the way you're telling the story is not in line with the authority of the canon that uh, Star Wars had created. It's not in trajectory with the story. This is the wrong direction, right? This is not the heart behind the story. And, and a director, actor's job is to come in, and if they come in later in the canon, it's to step into the canon and live based on what has come before and in the light of the end. Well, that's exactly the kind of authority the Bible um, has and should have over our life because the Bible makes statements about reality, and then we live those out. The problem comes when we say, well, I think I can carry on today without engaging in the Word of God. See, in other words, when we say that or when we do that, when our actions display that, when our actions say, well, I can go today and I don't have to read God's word. What, what we're really saying is this, is I trust myself more than I trust God. Now, don't get me wrong. There is grace here. The, the, these rhythms that we talk about aren't built on shame. So it's not like, oh, I missed a day. Um, and so therefore now like, oh, I'm against God and I'm, you know, some atheist or I'm damned. Of course not. But what I mean is this, is that if we do not have a, this rhythm in our life, then what we're basically saying is I trust myself more than I trust God. Because here's why, if I really trusted God, then I am going to make reading scripture a rhythm of my life. Why? Not so I can master it, but so it can master me. So I can be transformed by the very word of God and sort of break this disillusionment that I tend to live in. And this is all important. Why? Because the purpose of our Bible study is to know God and to make him known.
right? The Bible unveils Jesus Christ as the focal point of, of human history, right? All creation exists by him, through him, to him, for him. Only um, in our Bible study can we begin to really understand that. And really our Bible study should exist for him too, if you think about it, right? And that is the only kind of Bible study that will change your life. So if you're wanting to be uh, transformed when you go to listen back and take on the, the, the practical tools that you've been given this week, um, let me just remind you, you don't want to do it for merit. You don't want to do it for the magic. And you don't want to do it to master it, but so it can master you. I hope and pray that you found this podcast helpful, that it stirs you, that it, that it calls your heart to just go closer to God through his word. I love you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you guide us with it, that you speak to us through it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you, Lord God, will illuminate the text to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you are inspired as we journey together to reorient our lives in life-giving practices as demonstrated in God's Word.